0: That ability to kind of just like immediately have like a second that you can then capitalize on is much more like where TikTok is where I think Instagram is much more of like a long term, like what's your image sort of thing. If somebody goes to your page, it's like the new, it's the new resume.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to How Music Charts, where we pull back the curtain on today's music business, exploring music industry trends, music data, and the creativity that helps your favorite artists hit the charts. I'm co-host, Jason, and you'll hear from our other co-host Rutgers soon. This podcast is owned and operated by Chartmetric, a music data company that connects numbers to narratives to help the music industry leverage the power of data analytics. Zale Ellenhorn is a manager at YMU, a global talent management company with a roster that includes RAC, Kina, Ryan Carveo, Ben Zaidi, and Oshi. Originally from Amherst, Massachusetts, Zale grew up around a lot of jazz cows and psychologists he's a 90s kid with one eye on what's next and the other eye spinning around looking at everything that's going on right now after moving out to los angeles and building his own management company zeal joined forces with ymu in late 2019 where he kicked things off by developing the marketing plan for rac's third studio album boy for signing kina and ryan Carveo in early 2020. he's mostly just a really big fan of great music seafood soft top shortboards, and alpacas Please welcome to the How Music Charts podcast, Zale Ellenhorn.
0: Wow. Thank you, Jason. You guys did your research. I appreciate it.
1: So, Zale, we had to mention uh, there is something about NFTs and alpacas that we wanted you to know about. Do you know about Alpaca City? This is uh, alpacas as NFTs. There's
0: an alpaca NFT. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we're starting this off with just a big, fat strike down the middle. I have not heard about this. Show me what we got.
1: 25,000 alpacas here for your Binance smart chain or Ethereum blockchain happiness. Oh, my God. here, We're looking at a bunch of alpacas as NFTs. They're very cute, cartoon-like. It's alpaca.city. But now you know. As someone who has been very involved with NFTs in your music career, You should be able to have that in your alpaca career as well. Uh, Well, I'm going to
0: buy every single one of them.
1: (laughs) So, everyone, there was a great music business podcast with Sam and Jordan that Zale did with them back in May 2021. Please do check it out again. The music business podcast with Sam and Jordan that they did with Zale. So they you they went over a really great biography for you. So I don't want to get too much into it because people can listen to it um, on the other podcast. But just to summarize some of that to get to know you, you grew up in Amherst, Massachusetts. Parents were psychologists current job as you describe is basically psychology already. So can you talk a little bit about that How is artist management psychology to you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, hmm I think to start to start that off in terms of like I, I think there's something really funny. I'm glad that you picked that up off the other podcast but I think there's something funny about this and it's uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the with the with the salmon theory, but the salmon theory is like, the idea that salmon always returned back to the place that like, that they were born this idea that like you could swim all the way around the world and do everything and you eventually come back to like, the thing that made you um, and I think growing up in Amherst and like having a family that all studied psychology and just kind of like human behavior was the last thing in the world that I wanted to be a part of because it just felt cliche and it felt like I was just, you know, continuing what everybody else had done before. And then it turns out, you know, as mentioned that, that really is what artist management is all about. You know what I mean? Any artist is going to be somebody who looks at the world in a different sort of way than other people do. It doesn't matter if they're a big artist, doesn't matter if they're a small artist. Like the whole point of it is that like, you have like a very unique view on how you end up looking at things and then you need to figure out a way to express that. That translates into a lot of different areas of your life. And some of those things can be really difficult to manage. So figuring out how you keep artists focused, how you keep expectations managed while you still keep them optimistic when things aren't going well, when you bring them back down to earth when things are going well, how you also are able to rely on data for that time when an artist isn't feeling like what should happen <clears throat> is, is not happening or when they feel like, oh, okay, I don't really know what's going on right now. And you know, if it is happening, you can look at the data. If it isn't happening, you can look at the data. And I think that one of the things that that sort of ties this whole thing together is that there are so many different types of information that come in that are used as gauges for like how a project is doing or how an artist is growing or how tickets it, or how tour is performing or whatever. And when you actually rely on like the core numbers to tell you that story, you can get a pretty accurate representation of it without all the emotion that's attached to what's going on. Because as an artist, you're going to be an emotional person as a manager, it's your job to be able to feel those same emotions, but also make sure that they're not misdirected, and help show them where things actually are, so that you can make a game plan.
1: All right. So continue on. So childhood. Mm-hmm. Then you've got I have here Nirvana cover bands that you were part of. A couple. You had a you had a connection uh, to someone in the music industry who did jingles for commercials. Yeah. You started managing yourself um, after some some advice from from some peeps. And then you started to get into some internships, uh, one at a label, one at uh, FX, the the channel. And then you dropped out of college and then you came back to college, is that correct?
0: Yeah, exactly. I dropped out kind of starry-eyed thinking, you know what, I don't need school anymore. I'm gonna go work for this record label that I'm currently at and I'm gonna, you know, just go make it in Hollywood over the course of a year. Realize it's not really that easy. I think the best thing about LA is that like, you can come out here and test yourself and it'll definitely test you back. And you'll get enough small wins to feel like you're really doing it. And then you zoom out at the larger picture at a certain point And you realize like how much more, like you realize like you haven't even gotten to the starting line yet. And I think when that realization came at the end of that year, I was like, you know what, let's take things back to basics and figure out like what it is that I want to build starting from like now with this, with this new amount of knowledge that I have from this past year. Yeah.
1: What, what did you study in university? Does it, does it play a part at all in terms of what you do now?
0: Economics. So everything to do with this money and psychology, right. Um, I mean, to me, economics is like, it's the, it's the, it's the language of human behavior as it relates to money. Right. So when it comes to not just like, you know, figuring out different charts and paying attention to the GDP, but even when you take a look at like how you're negotiating a record deal and how you're looking at like where that labels finances are right now, or like what quarter is it? And kind of just like trying to figure out all these different things about how people are not just like, not just what budgets are open, but like the psychology of how they're looking at those budgets. It allows you to kind of play within these pockets of opportunity instead of just like waiting for someone to come with the check.
1: Gotcha. That's fascinating. Have you um, read the book or, or listened to the book Tarzan economics by Will Page?
0: I have never. But what's it
1: about? Uh, he's a former economist at Spotify. He used to be an economist at PRS too. Uh, awesome Scottish guy. Also DJ's in his free time. Uh, definitely recommend you uh, checking that out because just talking about the way you think, he's he, he's he's all about that. Yeah, I
0: will.
1: So, what's up, Will? Um, so okay, so moving on. Uh, moving on to LA 2017. You came out there for electronic and emo rock. You're doing a lot of work with those types of clients. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And then you had your um, entourage moment, as you described it in the previous podcast where you moved in with the band and you're living up in the hills.
0: Yeah, don't live with your band. If there's anybody listening who's thinking like, man, we just signed our first record deal. Let's get a house together. We're all friends. This is going to work out. What could possibly go wrong? Don't do it. <laughs> go get your own place. Go live in a small apartment. Go hustle it out. You can see your friends whenever you want.
1: Got it. Uh, one thing that, that really popped out to me was You said the best bands are sensitive, intelligent people who see things in different ways. I thought that was a really cool phrase that you put out. How do you suss that out for yourself whenever you come across different people in the industry?
0: I think for artists, it's a lot easier to find common ground with than it is just like a normal person, at least on that level. Um, I think that what we're talking about here are people who are very willing to take a dive into the places that a lot of us don't really want to spend too much time, you know, what it is that they're actually feeling and then give it a serious appraisal and then figure out how they're going to communicate that through the music. You know, that type of expression, that type of vulnerability to be able to operating, to be able to operate from that space that's very like it's completely unself-conscious because if you get self-conscious about the music that you're making if you get self-conscious about the lyrics that you're writing then it stops becoming genuine so i think that every artist that i've ever started to work with or that i've been like i absolutely have to figure out a way to sign this person like with like with Ryan Caravale, like that was a great example we can get into that later but like Sometimes you just hear lyrics, sometimes you just like hear voices and words and the way that they're put together. And it feels like something that like almost you wanted to say in the first place. And you know that if that person ended up saying it, then like they were feeling the same thing. So right away, without even meeting them, like you have something in common. I think this is one of the reasons why people love artists to the extent that they do at the highest level. You know what I mean? Like that's touching a certain sort of part of you that like you didn't know other people were feeling you know and um so i think for artists it's a lot easier to pick that out because it's just it's as simple as does this make does this music make me feel a certain sort of way that i know that they're relating to and i have proof of it because they wrote the song with other people I, I, i think that takes a little more digging you know what i mean i think you can talk about values and i think you can talk about you know how you view the industry and strategy and all that stuff that we like to do over you know Coffee or whatever, but I think that in order to really figure out who is seeing things the way that you're seeing them, it it takes a little bit more work because it's not on full display the way that it is when you're looking at an artist.
1: Yeah, makes a lot of sense. You also mentioned too in the last podcast, so some artists relied more on management than others. Best artists know who they are and what they like, and audiences know when their acts manufactured. um, When it comes to the artist perspective, so. I wanted to ask about that for a little bit. So regarding the manufacturing of music and that idea, there's lots of examples in the industry, of course, of lots of big label pop, hip hop, K-pop, you know, the list goes on and on in terms of, like types of music where that one would consider maybe manufactured uh, more than others, at least relatively. How, how would you define this from an audience perspective, dare I say psychologically, in terms of those who don't mind that, maybe even love that kind of aspect of the industry and then those that don't and shun it? Is it a genre thing to you? Do you think it's a situational thing? Maybe people are okay with social media, but you know, they don't want it in a music video, you know, what have you, what's kind of your view from the, the audience perspective on that?
0: Really interesting question. I think and I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about Michael Bay because like I'm, I'm a victim to loving the transformers <laughs> movies, but I think that like, I think that there are a couple ways to put this kind of stuff together. You know what I mean? You can take all the elements of like what should make a great action movie with like enough special effects and enough flash around it with the right cast and, you know, the right guy, the right girl, all this kind of stuff. And you can package it in a certain way where like people will like what it is that you're seeing. That can be done in music too, but like the, the catch is you still need like phenomenal songs, which is why there's such a massive songwriter industry because like if you can actually get one that breaks through and then you end up getting that hit for something that's been put together, then like, it kind of all ends up making sense. From an audience perspective, I don't know if they're really paying attention to like how artists come together. I know that from the audience perspective, you might have heard the plant, the, the term like industry plant, which like just means somebody who really just has a lot of connections in the industry and is probably good enough to like deserve a fast track to where it is that they want to go. Honestly, if they're marketable enough, music's good enough, there's a lane and they're known by the right people, then like of course it's gonna get fast tracked, right? Of course there's gonna be a ton of attention on them. But I don't really think that audiences are discerning that much between those two different things when it comes to like large scale pop music. I think the people know big pop records when they hear them. I think that if you're making stuff that and the thing is, like we are in a stage right now where like lo-fi music streams like crazy. I mean look at Kina and like you know, this more like emotional rap stuff that Drake really kicked things off with or really opened up the door for a lot of other people was kind of, it was a lane that that Ryan was in. You know what I mean? It was like this confessional, emotional rapping that was almost soft and not quite as hard. And I think that people respond to that. But I think that, I, I guess ultimately from the audience perspective, we're all so used to following every single trend that we see these days through like our Instagram feed or like through like the songs that are going viral on TikTok or like whatever's going on right now that if you're doing stuff that's constantly just like, oh, what's the next thing? Okay, I'm going to do that first. Like that to me, and I think to the audience, they can almost tell what it is that you're doing and you lose that sense of identity as an artist. I think it's important to know which of those things make sense within the context of you and your project and which of those end up taking away from
2: it. So you mentioned social media and trends, um, especially from the audience perspective. And I'm curious, how does data... And looking at these kinds of trends, how does that play into your own day to day, if it does at all?
0: If you look at an artist and they have tons of followers and, you know, a pretty good like engagement rate, but you end up looking and it's like, you know, okay, they have 50,000 likes and they have like 100 to 200 comments and they're posting every single day. It's probably somebody who's, you know, feed and whole message might be like, I don't want to say watered down, but like you can't post like not everything can be important. You know what I mean? Like and that's okay. Social media isn't about having everything be important, but I think that the metrics that are helpful on the data analysis side are the ones where you can see stuff that doesn't do well and then try to figure out why. Why didn't this post engage? Why didn't this one end up like doing as well as the one before it? And then you can basically like take those elements Sometimes you can't mix them out. Sometimes there's stuff like posting a tour flyer, which is going to have more text on it than your average uh, than your average photo, and that's going to negatively hurt the algorithm. But like, you still need to post that tour flyer. So like, how are you going to follow up with that? Like, are we going to put a carousel before it, so the people interact with the photo, and then you switch to the tour flyer? And I think just like using smaller pieces of data that you can kind of A/B test um, methods with in terms of posting and then reacting to that data and then using that as your social schedule is probably the best way to do it. Um, at least when it comes to Instagram, when it comes to stuff like TikTok, it's like, it's, you know, throw as many darts at the wall as you can. You know, I think that it's, it's such a the great content stands out, but like sometimes the great content just like doesn't stand out. You know, it's kind of like, it's like uploading songs to SoundCloud or something like that when you would make like a beat every single day for like a week and just like put it up and like none of them are going to work. And then, you know, Diplo repost one with his six million followers that like really care about what he reposts on SoundCloud back in because I guess we're living in 2012 now. Um, but like and and then that one ends up working. Like that ability to kind of just like immediately have like a second that you can then capitalize on is much more like where TikTok is, where I think Instagram is much more of like a long-term, like what's your image sort of thing. If somebody goes to your page, it's like the new, it's the new resume. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody wants to know what an artist is, what they're into, what their music sounds like, there's no better place to get all that information than their Instagram. So I think looking at the data on the back end of it and figuring out what works for them best in that platform means that that message is going to reach the most people and ultimately convey who that artist is to the most amount of people as possible, which is important for growth, obviously.
2: Yeah, that's great advice. So, to go back to RAC for a second, um, yeah, obviously he's involved with NFTs um, really deeply now. Um, so he's he's the kind of artist who would you know who appreciates incorporating tech and data into his art. Do you yeah, find so. <laughs> do you find this to be um, a trend that's coming up more and more with emerging artists, or is this sort of like a singular case with this particular artist?
0: Mm. Andre is a special case because he's been looking for ways to incorporate the crypto and the tech community into his music for the past decade, you know, before any of this was popular, you know, you had the first tokenized album on Ujo like a while ago, I think 2017. And, um, and, And he'd been in crypto for a long time after that. So I'm not saying that like, I I don't know how many people started that early and then became the producer that RAC is today. Um, At the same time, I do think that because of the success that we've seen in NFTs for him personally, but more importantly, just like across the entire industry of music and art, that any artist who's starting to really like starting to gain traction right now is most likely or should be at the very least paying attention to this um and i'm also not saying that every single new artist needs to go drop an nfc collection or have their own you know personalized coin and raise money and get a valuation for it and crowdfund their next project like the industry is set up in a certain sort of way because like it really like it really can work and operating outside of that is inspiring but also difficult you know and so i think that you got to really know what it is that you're going to stand for and what it is that you want to get done here you know do you want to sign a record deal and like get a song to go viral on tiktok and like just hammer stuff out and hopefully get on some big playlists and then tour and like make it that way. Cause that can still very much be done. Or do you wanna, you know, get tech headlines and try to figure out how you can make it with a combination of NFTs and crypto and all the other good stuff that's going on with Web3 and with Audius, you know, there's this whole monster new platform that's coming out with them that, you know Katy Perry and Nas just joined and like everybody's everybody's getting in on it. So I think that there are two ways to look at the landscape and neither one of them is necessarily wrong. I think that you should, as a newer artist, you should probably be informed of both so that as your career develops, you can choose which path you want to go down or make your own path and combine the two. Um, And that's definitely the most interesting one to me, but you need to have a pretty good understanding of both of them in order to figure out how you're going to make it bespoke to your project.
2: Right. So in a recent Music Ally Sandbox Summit, you mentioned, quote, a thousand super fans is much more important than a hundred thousand casual fans. But the question is, how do you find those people and how do you engage with them and super serve them? So I guess my first question is, can you answer that question? And then my second question is, what constitutes a super fan versus a casual fan? Like how do you quantify that?
0: Okay. First question, if I knew the perfect answer to that, I don't know. This background would be the beachfront, <laughs> you know. Um that's 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 for sure. Um you know, I think that if you can, ha- having said that there is, there are ways to, you know, to identify these people. I think that first off, creating channels for them to communicate in, like where they need to go an extra step in order to communicate there, I think is really important. If somebody cares enough about an artist, they're going to do everything that they can to feel as close to them as possible. For RAC, that was a combination of the Patreon and Twitch and the Discord. And that's how we found the RAC super fans, Right. If you were like, if you were subscribing to RSC's Patreon, there's a good chance that like, and we looked into all the similar interests and stuff. Like there's a good chance you're into music production. There's a good chance that you're into like a certain type of sound. There's a good chance that like you were into the hype machine back in the day, right? Um, Or that you're just into like electronic pop music in general and like what kind of festivals do you go to? What's the kind of of stuff that like makes you feel like you want to be engaged with this person? Um, And with his Patreon, we sent all those people to his Discord and then for Twitch, it was like, weekly streams for an entire year, mostly three times a week, I think for nine months is what we did in 2020. And that grew his Twitch following a ton, which then also amplified the discord and amplified like the Patreon subscribers who are in the discord. And all of a sudden you have all of these people who are willing to take these extra steps in order to be like a bigger part of your career, not just talking to you, but also talking to each other. And that type of community is really powerful. And I think, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be an expert on DAOs, but in terms of what's going on in crypto right now with like building them out, I think that it's completely fascinating because the value of community that way is absurd. Um, And then the second thing for that is like, I think that you know a lot of the people that are coming back if you interact with them enough. Like, Ryan's a really great example of how you build super fans because Ryan stays until 4 a.m. after every single show until the last person has met the venue and like meets people outside and will like kick it with them. And has done that on like his past three tours, fully independent, like before he even had a booking agent. Each of those people like felt like they knew Ryan and they were on this journey with him like from day one. Um, And he literally built out that fan base one person at a time. So you can either find your super fans or you can build your super fans. And I think that if you're smaller, you got to focus way more on how do you make it so that if this fan likes my music, how do I make it so that they are as engaged and involved as possible with my career? How do you super serve them? How do you give them opportunities that like, that because they're there early on, they feel like they have a, you know, some kind of badge or some kind of just like a special place within this career. When it comes to larger artists and rounding them up, I think that, you know, I think that's much more similar to the RIC method, but it's kind of about if either, you're either filtering it down by putting up different barriers of engagement and then figuring out how you can directly communicate with those people that you have filtered it down to. So you can make sure you can activate them at exactly the right time, make sure that the whole community is engaged in something like an album drop or an NFT drop, or you can do it the opposite way, which is literally just building it up and super serving like every person who is engaged with your stuff, right? Like to this day, Ryan still responds to every single Instagram comment from a fan. Wow. Like I'll watch him post something. I have videos of him at rehearsals last week. So he just went on tour, but I have videos of him like where he would post and in the next two hours, he would just be on his phone responding to people. <laughs> like that was it. And like, there would be like 600 comments and Ryan would comment back like 600 times. Yeah. Like, and he's been doing that for every Instagram post since like, it, you know, it makes it harder to do an Instagram post because you're dedicating your afternoon your afternoon to it. But you are also making it feel, you're making people feel heard. And I think that in this kind of climate where like you can so it's so easy to feel like your voice is just like going out into the ether no pun intended um it's it's important to figure out how you make it you make it so that the people who really care about you know that like you're aware of it you know and i think that those people will stick with you like through thick and thin
2: yeah totally here's another quote actually that i think kind of captures that from you. A lot of artists would be surprised at how many of their fans would be willing to support them directly if given the opportunity to. This kind of fandom isn't just about giving artists money. It's about expressing a different part of what you like. I don't think that's any different from buying a new t-shirt. So, zooming out a little bit, um, what is your take on these sort of niche, really highly engaged fandoms uh, especially with like the use of social tokens on the blockchain or subscribing mm-hmm. to someone's Twitch or Patreon. Do you think these are going to take over? I mean, I don't know if like, you know, the, like mainstream pop culture will disappear anytime soon, but do you think these sort of like niche fandoms will become the new normal?
0: Mainstream pop culture isn't going anywhere, but I do think that like, <clears throat> I think that fandoms, everyone's always known how important those are. You know what I mean? Like look at the BTS army, like, if, like the BTS army is absolutely crazy and they're there because like, they actually like love the group and like, and the music so much. Um, as far as I know, BTS doesn't have a social token. They might be working on one. So it's definitely very possible to, and everybody's done this forever without that. But for me, it feels more like it kind of goes back to the building thing. And it goes back to the idea of like what being a super fan is. And I think that it's a certain, and, and man, there's so many, I could talk about this part all day. Let me get go for thoughts. it. i think that everything that we do public facing is an expression of something about ourselves that we want other people to understand right and i think that that's where the t-shirt analogy comes in right if you're like right now we're all wearing as far as i can see plain white gray (laughs) and like black tees
2: right we got the whole grayscale going on
0: yeah like that's cool we got the whole grayscale going no one wants to come across as like too like too colorful They're like way too out there. Like you keep it reserved. Like you let the rest of the talking, you have an awesome shirt, Jason, (laughs) with some caps on it. Yeah. So like instantly I know, okay, cool. That's something about, that's something about Jason that like he likes and he chose to put on that shirt. Right. And I think like that, that's definitely a form of self-expression. I think that we share music the same way, except for we aren't trying to get everybody to buy the same t-shirt that we're wearing. I think that we find artists who we get really into and it's a reflection of us when we like put our word and like our recommendation behind it to our friends. And like that type of that type of um, social, honestly, social currency in terms of just like being like, hey, I think this is dope, you should check it out. And then they also think it's dope. It confirms that like, that they think that what you think is dope is dope, you know? And that just, that, that thing just like, it just continues. You know what I mean? It's almost like this uh, this idea of spreading what it is that like you feel is is really cool and getting other people to feel the same way about it without selling them. And I think that that's the coolest part about super fandom is that you can you can really stand behind something that you love and get really involved with it. And as a result of that, you're probably going to introduce other people to it too from like a more passionate perspective instead of just a like oh you know I heard this new song the other day sort of thing like yo you got to check this out. And I think that goes a really, a really long way. You know, um, I also think it's especially important for, I'm looking back at my vinyl collection there, hoping for some inspiration, but like, like everybody knows Pink Floyd, right? Everybody knows Dark Side of the Moon. If I like, I'm like, yo, Jason, dude, you ever heard of Dark Side of the Moon? Like, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like you got to listen to that stuff. Like it doesn't hold the same impact because like everybody and their parents knew about Dark Side of the Moon. Right. Whereas like, I, I still to this date, it annoys everyone, I know, but I still can't shut up about Dominic Fike, honestly. Like ever since I heard that kid's first EP, I was just like, man, this is just like nobody else is doing anything remotely like this. It's so creative, it's so well done. Like he just just completely has it. And so like the first thing I did was I would, I would start playing Dominic Fike at barbecues that I was having with my friends, like talking about this kid and like got all of them really into him, not just be, not because like I was trying to make any money off of it or anything. I just wanted to find something awesome and share it with other people. So it all kind of comes down to figuring out how you can satisfy that core need that people have to express what it is that they like by, ident- like express a part of themselves by identifying really strongly with something that you can check out too. And I think for super fandom, that's really important because if you can build a community of people that, all, that are all wearing the similar t-shirt, right? And everyone's kind of on board, then like that's that's really powerful. That's the difference between, you know, having a literally for a t-shirt. That's the difference between selling 15 of them when you do a merch shop and all a thousand in the second, because they're all gonna get them, you know, and that kind of being able to mobilize a group of people like that so quickly is crazy powerful for building out an artist.
1: All right. All right, Zale. I think it's time. It's time to do our real-time artist management segment.
0: God, let's, <laughs> let's, delve,
1: let's delve into the mind of an artist manager uh, for the benefit of any independent artists out there listening. Um, so I'm going to share my screen. We'll pop into chart metric a little bit um, and we can look up some artists. So we can do this any way you want. If you want to do it like by city, like artists that have certain cities listen to, if there's a certain like range of like followers or listener accounts that you you want to like key in on. We can do that too. Artist demographics, playlists, whatever. It's up to you um and then when we let's let's like shoot for maybe three artists we can kind of go through so we don't spend too much time on any one or we can um if okay. we, but a couple of things maybe we'll just throw out first impressions from you strengths weaknesses you know whether it's from a creative or a business perspective any piece mm-hmm. of data that jumps out to you or any kind of recommendation you might have cool just put it all out there you know it's not it's not like a, you have to do it all but just try to get the juices flowing Okay, so um, just to, okay. just
0: to get it straight, so you guys will you'll pull up a homepage, right, of an artist and then we'll just okay, and then we can well, just dive in.
1: Well, so we will pull up Chartmetric. Um, we yeah. first need to find an artist. So so here's this. Let's let's maybe start with this. So like we're looking right now for those who are just listening. We're looking at um, the artist list on on Chartmetric. And so basically it's we've got 5.9 million artists worldwide on here and we've got a set of filters in front of us. So Mm -hmm. now this is up to you. Do you want to look at maybe a certain range of followers or likes on TikToks, you know, followers on Spotify, we could, um, let's go, uh,
0: let's go someone with tons of TikTok followers, lots of Spotify streams and almost no Spotify
1: followers. Okay. So lots of TikTok. And then what was this? Sorry. What was the second, third one?
0: Lots of TikTok, decent amount of Spotify streams and almost and very little Spotify followers. Let's do like 20 million monthly listeners.
1: And then I'm sorry, what was the third one again? And then
0: bring followers down to like 100,000. See if there's anything. Let's go. That'll be really interesting.
1: All right, cool. Is what we got. We've got got 865 artists. The first one's from Nigeria. Wayne Johnson's in there. Dwayne Johnson's in
0: there. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson's in there. Lil Huddy's in there. Yeah, it just makes a lot
1: of sense. All right. So for those who are listening, we have an artist here. Um, we'll call her Artist A. Okay, Artist A. <laughs> uh, artist A. So uh, they're ranked 236 in terms of like the worldwide popularity on mm-hmm. Um she, she has 2.2 million followers on TikTok. Nothing to sneeze at. 95,000 followers on Spotify, 6.3 million monthly listeners on Spotify. And she's got 308,000 subscribers on YouTube and 4 million followers on Instagram. So interesting. She's been at work. Um, some fans also like info, Kelly Rowland, Tinashe, Jasmine Sullivan, Normani, uh, to name a few.
0: Okay, cool. Um, Jason, can you do me a favor?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm your I'm I'm your mouse person. So cool. you just you tell me what to click on.
0: Can you go to playlists?
1: Hundred percent. So clicking on playlists.
0: Spotify playlists. Um, okay. Interesting. Okay. So data point number one that we have is that around September fourth, yeah. of this year.
2: Is yeah. that true? Yeah.
0: September fourth of this year, her total reach of Spotify playlists went from.
1: Yeah, she blew wow, up. 66, That's crazy. Thousand to. 21 million. So
0: yeah, really quickly.
1: Let's dig in here. Um, so let's
0: see it here with hand. So, okay. That's, I mean, we can dive into this if you want
1: that, gee, come on, let's do it.
0: All right. So X out of this. Okay. Um, same thing with Apple, same thing with the user, same thing, basically the same thing with Amazon except for less of a spike. All right. Just so what? let's scroll down. Let's scroll down a little bit. Okay. And, um, Okay. And then as a primary artist filter, turn on Boom. current playlists, uh, four playlist types, click on four playlist types. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's just do editorial.
1: Gotcha. We're going to take off any curators. We're going to take off major label. Yep,
0: exactly. That's cool. Um, okay. And then let's do for the timeline. Let's see, this really blew up in September. So let's do the past like 90 days, 90. honestly. Boom. Wow. Okay. So today's top hits, killer, Um, R and B, party hits, pop eyes. I just said, feeling myself. Forgot. Forgot. Okay. Next page.
1: Mm -hmm. There's a lot of Spotify editorial here.
0: Yeah, there is. But it's interesting because by the time that you go to the second page, right, Mm -hmm. and this is all ranked by follower count you're only getting down to playlists with like 380,000 followers on Spotify or like 450,000 on Spotify for something like big on the internet. And then add on one of those playlists is not gonna allow you to do the kind of numbers that like that she's doing right now. Um, There's definitely a ton of playlist support. It's just that like, and she's in a bunch of like the really big ones, but it's not, you could basically take this list if you were trying to break an artist similar to it and take a look from everything 300,000 up and be like, okay, cool. How do we work up to those playlists? And then, you know, if you were doing research on this, you could go through the next six slides, go through all of the other editorial playlists that she was added to beforehand, and just like target some of those smaller playlists because now you have proof that they can that they can grow up to these big ones. Yeah. Um, this isn't a crazy analysis, but it's definitely because that she started on TikTok and had a really solid social media following, and it turns out that the DSPs got behind it. The thing is, anything that goes up this fast isn't going to be able to build any super fans or any super engaged audience the same way. Like, I think that if we go back to her stats, she only has what a hundred thousand followers
1: on Spotify. Right, so Yeah, yeah.
0: So one hundred thousand followers on Spotify with six point five million monthly listeners—kind of expected if you're going to like go from zero to a hundred that fast, but. At the same time, now you need to take a look back at everybody who's there and figure out like how you're going to engage them, mm. right? Like one of the things that we did for Kina, I mean, Kina had not one, but two songs go crazy viral on TikTok that now have, I think between the two of them, over 12 million videos made. And he had, you know, 10 million monthly listeners. And at the time didn't have like a ton of followers and those had built up at the time. But the it was almost like taking a look at, how you now that you're here how do you make everything else down here like a lot more of a foundation and less just something that like brought you to this point in the first place right Mm -hmm. because as soon as you get there it's going to be about maintenance and it's really difficult to maintain that kind of following and that kind of interaction without continuing to like build up that hardcore fan base um and it sounds like her hardcore fan base right now is on instagram and is on tiktok So if I was her, I would just figure out a way to move those people over to Spotify, Mm. right? Figure out how you get those people that follow you on those platforms to follow you on Spotify. And then your engagement rate's gonna go up. It's also gonna help with your release radar because your release radar goes out to people who follow you, right? So without any playlists, you don't need to rely on that the same way. Um, That would be step one. I mean, her socials are clearly on point. I mean, this is what got her here in the first place, right? This is like
1: we're checking out her Instagram and and tiktok right now for those listening. Yeah. Check it out. Hey, hey, let's go. Yeah, in terms of her tiktoks, we're getting like multiple like million play counts on How many
0: videos does she have? Go to the top.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh,
0: 19 million likes, let's see how many videos, but tons.
1: Yeah. A lot.
0: So she hit her inflection point and got some, got some support because of it, which is great because the DSPs are always paying attention to what's going on and those other platforms whatever whatever's getting good fan engagement. But like now how do you take those people from that following and make them really engage everywhere else?
1: Yeah. Dope. Um, cool. Any other thoughts or anything you want to check out about this artist?
0: Um, let's see. Instagram fan location. Okay. So almost all of her Instagram followers are in the U S. Yeah big international focus if you want to go global especially if you want to continue to go viral on TikTok like Southeast Asia, Australia all super important. Um figure out how to hit those markets, you know. Yeah. Whether it's like running more dark ad campaigns over there when you end up like, you know, releasing a song or touring or or something, but like you got to figure out how to get out of the US at that point.
1: Should you take another artist? Yeah, let's do. it All right, cool. Um let's let's do some different. Let's go by cities here. So Okay we're looking at a, a global map with a bunch of pins that we can click on any city we want. Um, and then we can check out what artists are kind of like, um, over indexing for Spotify money uh, monthly listeners uh, in that particular, um, place in the world, any continent that, um, or country that is drawing. Let's do,
0: let's do Europe and like the UK. I'm always interested in what's going on over there. Okay, cool. Or actually let's do Indonesia.
1: Okay. No. Um, Jakarta. Sure. Sure. Let's pop into Jakarta real quick. All right. Now we're pulling up a a page on Jakarta. So we've got population of nine point one million people. Local mm-hmm. airplay and the stations there. Highly over indexing on pop. Second yep. is K-pop. Third is alternative. We've got top artists by so we can look we can look at a, a bunch of artists by different means. So there are ones that are just local to Jakarta. Um, there's also artists that. Um, kind of a ranking on by local YouTube video views like in that particular city mm-hmm. of Jakarta. Uh, BTS at the top, no surprise. <laughs> we have top artists by local Instagram followers. Mm-hmm. And we've got top artists by local Shazam chart occurrences. So people- Interesting.
0: Are, okay, so yeah. the top artists by local Shazam chart occurrences are like, it's not that different from the US, right? You got Olivia Rodrigo, Doja Cat, The Weeknd, BTS, Ed Sheeran, Sam Smith, like, well, Nas X, they obviously are, you know, paying a lot of attention to everything that's going on like US wise, but between, you know, Olivia Rodrigo, Doja Cat and Lil Nas X, they're very in tune with the stuff that is happening like right now. You know, these are not stars that were established like two or three, two or three years ago. These are things that like have popped up very, very, very recently. Yeah. Um, which means that the stuff that's getting the most attention over there is like, you know, Whether it's reactive to, this is always the question, right? Is it reactive because it's gone viral or is it, you know, does it go viral and then become reactive? Can't really tell from this, but it's definitely interesting. Okay. Top tracks.
1: We got top tracks here too.
0: Build a Bitch by Bella Porch.
1: Yeah. Number one. Yeah,
0: exactly. I think, is that her only release right now? I I don't follow her too closely to be very honest with you, but like. That was
1: her first one. I know. I think she's probably at least had a second one, if not a third. That was her first Um, one. I
0: mean, talk about the power of like a really, really, really strong marketing campaign behind somebody with a big TikTok following and how quickly that can make a difference. Like, yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. So when we, when we talk about, we, we wrote an article in the past about a lot of Southeast Asian cities and Honestly, in even most regions of the world, the Instagram followers tend to be pretty local and then the YouTube ones tend to be pretty global and the Spotify Mm. ones tend to be pretty Western centric. So, um, and it's really no different here. Yeah. We've got some dang. Do you know about dang. It's like a local genre there.
0: I actually don't. I probably should. I'll check it out after this.
1: Can we try uh, this particular artist? Um, so this is an artist. We'll call him artist B. He's an R&B artist who's uh, very popular there.
0: Um, Let me check this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so TikTok, he's got 331,000 followers, nothing crazy, a couple million likes. So he hasn't really had anything go super viral yet. Um, Spotify followers is 1.1 million versus 2 million monthly listeners. So his Spotify following to monthly listener ratio is about 50%, which if that's true, that's crazy. Mm. um that's like re- that means that every single person that is like into this dude's music is like following him on spotify yeah. um man build out those other platforms like if you're there and like tiktok is responding and you only have three hundred thirty three thousand and that's a third of your spotify following then like post to tiktok every single day i can see his picture on the top left he's a good looking dude like he'll get some views you know just throw some stuff at the wall Um. Pandora is almost non-existent in terms of streams. Like there's nothing there. I think you, you gotta focus on all the DSPs, right? This is like, it's a, you're looking for that snowball effect, right? Mm-hmm. And if you want the snowball effect, then like you can't ignore anything, you know? The artist, uh, artist AAA, we'll call them. The secret to that success was just like having every single, like every DSP claimed that they were the ones that broke this artist you know, like you have to have like round the clock 360 support across everything or else it's just not really going to make a difference. Like you have to be keeping all of these up. Um, YouTube is like pretty good for sure. 255,000. I'm really shocked by the monthly listener to followers ratio here, honestly, um, in comparison to everything else with almost 300,000 on YouTube as well. And with 4.6 million followers on Instagram, like it means that he has a ton of fans, but I mean, this just means that he has a ton of fans and people aren't streaming his music, right?
2: So mm-hmm.
0: you got to convert that fan base, right? You're strong on Instagram, you're strong on YouTube, fairly strong on TikTok. Definitely bring it up, but like, also, if he has 1.1 million followers and only two million monthly listeners, then put out a ton of new music because like your release radar is going to hit 1.1 million people if it, if if everything's done correctly. You know, you just got to like hammer that over and over and over again, because what that says is that people are following you, but they're not actually listening to the stuff that you're putting out. Um, And that's not going to do you any good. Put out more music.
1: It's like, it's like, it's just put one out with, I don't know if we should put it out, but another American R&B artist (laughs) Um, quite recently uh, this month, which is interesting. Uh, An Indonesian American R&B tune.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's really smart. I mean the fan base, the fan base is there, you know, a million people following on Spotify is like that's remarkable. Two million monthly listeners is not. Um like your core is there. What this tells me is that like just there needs to be more content.
1: Got gotcha. you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Also, big spike on TikTok and then kind of leveled out.
1: Yeah, in February. Mm-hmm. Went from 227 followers on TikTok to about almost 330 within a mm-hmm.
0: months. Well, let's see. And that was kind of exactly the same spike as YouTube, right?
1: Yeah, yep. pretty let's close. Yeah, it. about that. A little, little <laughs> bit of a lag, but I guess that kind of makes sense. How time.
0: does that compare to Spotify playlist popularity? If you scroll up. Let's
1: check it out. There we go.
0: Popularity index goes up around.
1: Yeah, about the same time.
0: About the same time. Yeah, so as people are noticing Spotify, I was noticing really steady line
1: here. For followers you're looking at? Yeah. Yeah. So for those listening, it's about 900, 800 to 1,000 daily gain in followers. I mean, gain is good. At least it's not declining. But mm-hmm. um, but about that, yeah. And this is through this kind of February, March kind of like spike on TikTok that this artist had. So interesting that the Spotify followers didn't necessarily track, even though the monthly listeners did. That definitely did go up. That went yeah, up. What um,
0: did he this is from October 3rd, 2020 to October 3rd, 2021. What did he have Spotify followers wise in October 3rd, 2020? Like if you go to the bottom of that chart, so he started with 792,000 followers on Spotify.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and his, yeah monthly listeners,
0: and his monthly listeners at the time were a million.
1: Yeah. So that's a pretty good ratio. I mean, 770. Yeah, that's, I
0: mean, that's, that, that's insane. Um, yeah. I want, I'm curious. It's a, can you make Spotify followers all?
1: Yeah, we're just gonna go back to his whole timeline, and so this goes back to December of 2016. He was at 12,000 mm-hmm. uh, Spotify followers.
0: Keep going, uh, keep going, keeps growing, Really steady, and it just starts to pick up. I mean, the only the only way I can I mean that there isn't really a variable like the change goes from like a thousand to like. 600, 400 a day. Like, it's not like you have one day where you gain like 10,000 followers or something like that. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that because, like, I know some of the research that we've done, we've always kind of thought like the slow and steady wins the race. Would you? Slow and
0: steady totally wins the race. Yeah. Yeah. No, it totally does. I mean, one of the reasons why. I wanted to sign Ryan in the first place after hearing peanut butter waffles and being like, this kid just said a bunch of stuff that I wish that I could have said my entire life, but it came out of his mouth. I need to pull him out of my computer screen and sit down with him. Um, was yo, this kid has a million monthly listeners and almost 200, follow 200,000 followers on Spotify and zero editorial playlisting. Mm-hmm. Like that was the interesting thing for me going into the chart metric for Ryan was I was kind of just like, okay, like every single one of this kid's 700 million streams globally has come organically and not from playlisting. So like what happens when you put him on a playlist, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you built that up already and like that's strong enough to sustain, how do you then like, I mean, you're kind of starting from ground zero, but you're not at all because you already have like that entire base. You know, um, so I think that those types of metrics are people who build out those slow but steady growth followings are like, that's crazy important because then it's just a matter of time and continuing to do what it is that you're doing.
1: Right on. I think we might have time for one more. Um, that
0: was a crazy one.
1: That was, yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, let's see. Right. Any ideas, anything we should hit?
2: Uh, yeah, I was going to say go by audience. That could be interesting. All right, so we're looking at our
1: artist list again. We're looking at audience filters, though. So, Zale, any interest in age ranges, languages, countries, cities?
0: Mm, I've got an idea. Okay. Let's try to find, like, the next undiscovered boy band pop star using only data. Basically, like, taking a look (laughs) at people with, like, really high female engagement, ages, like 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 ages let's go back to
1: age yeah sure 13 to 17 17,
0: 24 yeah totally okay like the next harry styles or something um do it if harry styles like broke the way that like Lil huddy did you know like that's what i'm interested in here like who's who's flying like right under beneath like right under the radar um and then
1: now Rudd, I can I can filter out by artist stuff too, right? So maybe we can take out like really super high popularity here. Yeah. Um yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah.
1: So let's uh let's go 70 and under for Spotify popularity. I think that might help cool. a lot. Then we can. Sorry, Justin Bieber. I think you've had 70 any... and
0: under for Spotify popularity. Let's make them really popular on Instagram.
1: Okay. Uh, let's just
0: like make up this artist, like yeah. as if he exists, and then we'll find out if he does.
1: Um wait, we said Instagram, right? Um how many followers are you looking at here?
0: Um let's say like over over five million.
1: Over five million. Are we capping yeah. it at all?
0: Um, no, no, cap. No Okay, cap, okay. More than five. Okay, cool. Now let's go through all 10,000 of these. Um okay, great. Five million. And then
1: so these are these are filters right now. We got Spotify zero to seventy popularity. Followers okay. on Instagram, five million to two hundred and eighty million, majority female, majority eighteen to twenty or thirteen to twenty four. I guess was well. Cool.
0: Let's add a TikTok filter. Okay. Um, let's do over five million on TikTok for followers.
1: Five million is a number you key. Or not? I'm noticing.
0: I don't know. I'm just. I'm coming back to it. Over five million followers on TikTok, and then for likes
1: yeah. on TikTok, let's do okay. like
0: over, like over like twenty million likes within that range.
1: Ooh, I don't know if we're gonna pull back anything on that. We'll see. Twenty million.
0: Yeah, give it a shot.
1: Ooh, we got seventy-seven. Look at that. Cool. Little Huddy, Dixie, Rose, Rose is a K-pop star. I know that. Kim Louisa, we've written about her in our uh 6MO report. She's an Instagram star out of Mexico. Seen her before. NTT. Any one of these names you want to click on?
0: I don't know. Hang on. I mean, let's keep rolling. This is fascinating. Let's go back up to the top. Let's we'll see something in like the top 10 that we haven't heard of.
1: Uh, I'm loving okay. that's the artist picture.
0: Okay. Okay. So it's rap weird. Got it. 10.1 million followers on TikTok. 124 million likes with five streams on Pandora and 50,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. Interesting.
2: This is interesting.
0: Does this guy make music?
2: I think they might be Russian or something based on the songwriters.
0: Yeah. Is He releasing music. When did his last thing come out? Let's, see, let's 20, see. His last EP came out in 2020 and 6.5 million followers on Instagram. I mean, this just is a ton of, I mean, listen, the, the Russian market is like, they go crazy over the right thing. You know, like a hundred percent. Like if you hit something that like hits there, like it can be completely explosive.
1: Yeah, look. Um, great. we're looking at his TikTok right now. Uh, he's following twelve, but he has 10 million, 10.1 million followers on TikTok. Yeah, or I
0: mean, this long kid long. looks like the perfect pop Russian TikTok star. Which I don't, yeah. I didn't know that was a thing until right now. But like, this is ideal.
1: Yeah, he's really creative with it too. Look at this.
0: Yeah, no kid needs to get some get in with some awesome songwriters and producers and like make some good music and put out a ton of stuff because with this sort of following only releasing things every now and then you can't go almost two years at this point since releasing your project with that kind of following if he like wants to be i mean i look at this and i'm like does this guy want to be a music artist or is he just putting music out for fun
1: right Um, could be that he's he's mastered the the social media game for sure
0: yeah no the social media stuff is insane and you're lower
1: 34 million youtube subscribers what's going on over here
0: So he's a huge YouTube star. All right, so maybe he's not trying to do music. I mean...
1: Yeah, maybe not. Just happen to have a couple of out.
0: That's fine, but it's definitely interesting to see that, like, he still puts out music at this stage. I think this is something... I think this is a really good example of something that record labels are looking at right now and also just, like, the industry is looking at in general. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily love it, but, like, I think the idea of taking people with massive platforms like this and, like, just, like, crazy big... Because this guy's following is, I mean between 34 million followers on youtube six on instagram and 10 on tiktok like it's got like 50 million followers to play with and he's like a good-looking young kid so yeah. if you can even write like a halfway decent song for this dude <laughs> like yeah. it's gonna go if yeah. you if you do something that's just like completely like okay and then you're able to actually engage that following like that will probably work at least for one song is he gonna become a big artist i don't know you can't manufacture that if the music isn't good then like whatever if people aren't connecting to it then then they're not connecting to it yeah but um I think that with with the influence that YouTube Instagram and TikTok have right now I think these are the kind of undiscovered and especially with like the weird animation of the baby and stuff at the top like it's all very like bizarre and mysterious and kind of in line with like what's going on right now in terms of like surrealism mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. in in hip-hop and alternative especially which I think also does really well in Russia so I'll just give this kid some really distorted eight hundred eights, and you know, <laughs> teach him how to do to do something that sounds different. You can probably generate a hundred million streams, honestly.
1: Okay, we want to be respectful of your time, Zio. Um, We're a little bit over, but um, anything you want to kind of punch up, wrap up, anything you want to promote before we uh, bid ourselves do here?
0: Oh man. Um, no, I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. Go catch Ryan Carveo on tour. Go keep an eye out for some cool stuff coming from RAC. Don't miss Ben's 80s album coming out next year. It's a masterpiece. Those are my plugs. Thank you guys for having me.
1: Awesome. Thanks for taking the time, too.
2: Yeah, thanks so much. And I got to say, all your artists are super lucky to have you because you seem really knowledgeable.
0: Thanks, man. Yeah. I do my best to seem really knowledgeable. <laughs>
2: How Music Charts is written and produced by Jason Hoven and Rutger Rosenborg of Chartmetric. As part of our effort to equip artists with the power of music analytics, we've just rolled out a new artist tier, which you can sign up for at app.chartmetric.com slash plan slash artist for about the price of a coffee per week. Free Chartmetric accounts are available at chartmetric.com and podcast notes are at blog.chartmetric.com. You can also subscribe there for additional insights delivered to your inbox right after we publish. Did we mention we have a YouTube channel? That's right. Subscribe for Chartmetric tutorials and tips for indie artists. Follow our thoughts on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Chartmetric. That's Chartmetric, no S. That's it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.